morning to the um to the service today. Um got a good word from God, a challenging word from God. Hopefully it's one that's gonna open your minds up and let you understand the timing that we are living in and the purpose of our being as we try to navigate through these perilous times that are embarking upon us here in this world. Um the title of my message today is called The War on the Image of God. Title of my message today is the war on the image of God. Let us pray. Holy Abba, we just come before thee as humble as we know how. Father, we praying right now in this hour that I decrease and that your Holy Spirit, the Ruach Hokadesh, will increase in me. Anoint this word. May it come forth with clarity and understanding to your people that it may yield forth change in our lives and yield forth fruit in our walk. We give you glory and thanks in all things. For it's in Jesus Christ's name that we do pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So the title of my message this morning is called The War on the Image of God. When you read the Bible, the Bible um, talks about there are several texts in the Bible that's dealing with the word image. Um, there is an image of God, as we're going to find out today in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But as you get into the prophetic books leading up to the end, book of Revelation, you're going to find out that there's an image of a beast. And that image of that beast, we are approaching closely to that image of the beast becoming more and more manifest here in the world. But as I go and dial and, and, and um, unpack this message today, I want you to start dealing with this beast that's inside. All right, so you got to internalize some of this message to make it personal to you because that's where your change is going to come. So when we look at the word image or the term image. Image can um, means an illusion, an illusion. Image also is where we get our imagination, all right, our creative ability and our thoughts. And through the uh, term image, image leads us and it gives us power, our identity, as well as our self-esteem, all based on the image that we project and how we feel about ourselves. So even when it comes to the thing of God, God has an image. He has a, a uh, model, per se, that we should follow. And let's, let's deal with the image of God. Got the title of my message is The War on This Image of God. So if y'all would, turn to me to Genesis um, chapter 1, verse 26. And let's begin at the beginning in the Genesis. Genesis 1, verse 26 and 27. It's going to be our first text this morning. And it reads, And God said, Let us make man in our own image. After our own likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, he created them. So let's give us a breakdown. When you start looking at this word image, the word image, when you look it up in um, the Hebrew text um, for that word is salam. All right. And it means a resemblance or a representative figure. So in the beginning, when God created man, he created something that was going to be like him, a resemblance, a figure. All right. Until man was defiled, man was perfect in his ways. He had a commandment given by God and he followed it. Until the fall in the garden. But then also it says, let's make it man in our likeness. The word likeness comes from the word demuth. 
The term demuth means a concrete model, a fashion, and a likeness. But I want you to pay close attention to when man was given dominion. Same way God had dominion in his realm, which is the heavens, the Shamaim, he gave um, man of dominion in the earth, following out this likeness. But look what he gave man dominion over. He gave man dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, the cattle of all the earth, the creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. Did it ever say in that text that God gave man dominion over other man? No. That's where the order in, in the chaos comes from. God never designed man to have dominion over other man. But for some reason, throughout the course of history, that's all you've seen. Oppression comes from when man believes that they're higher or in a better position than other men and they want to oppress or have rule or have control. Alright? So they want to have a form of dominion. Another word for the form of dominion is government. Let's break that word government down. The word govern means to what? Control. And then the root word meant is where you get the word mentality which represents your what? Mind. So when you put that word government together, it's talking about what? Mind control. So ever since the beginning, that's all man has been trying to do is to zoom mind control or governance over other man. And that's why all the wars and the calamities in our life and in our realm and in this planet comes from. Let's skip on down to another verse. I want you all to go with me real quick to Genesis 2 and 7. So not only did man created God, excuse me, not only did Yahuwah created man in the image and the likeness of himself, to be his representative or his model here in the earth as it is in heaven. But um, Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 said, give you a minute to get there. And it reads, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. The word dust can also be representative of the word clay. It's going to make sense later on. Of the ground. And listen to what God did. He breathed into his nostrils the what? Breath of life. And man became a what? Living soul. So when God breathed into himself the breath of life, then there was a portion that was given unto Adam that was reflective of God. You see what I'm saying? Because he was fashioning his image and his likeness, but then when he brought his breath into us, all right, we, he became partakers in us. All right? It's through his spirit, all right? But something happened that caused man to lose this image and this likeness of God. Because when man was upright and wasn't sinning, that was his place. He was in good standing. He was a representation of the image of God. Man lost that image when he fell in the garden. All right? When he broke the commandment and he fell in the garden, man lost that image of God that was inside of him. So the whole course and dispensation of history was getting man back to the place where he was. All right? But I want you to understand in Genesis, something also took place in Genesis 3. And I don't want to get too far away from my text. There was two seeds that was um, generated from that fall. The seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. All right? So if Christ, who's going to be the redemption of mankind, if he was to come and be the unblemished lamb for the redemption of sins of man in this world, then that woman seed bloodline had to remain pure and intact from the woman in the garden all the way down 
to Yahusha, the coming Messiah, the Hamashiach. It had to remain consistent. That bloodline could not be tainted with that serpent seed. All right, that's another message for another day. So when God breathed his blessed life inside of him, now I'm going to hit you with a little bit of scientific, because um, I start studying a little bit more about DNA. Because, see, God is DNA. So when God bred his breath inside of Adam, he put his life force inside of Adam. He gave him his DNA. And see, what your DNA is, your DNA is God's blueprint for man. So let me give you some spiritual understanding about that word DNA. DNA, as I did my research, I found out that DNA stands for deoxyribonucleic acid. Deoxyribonucleic acid. So what does this mean? When you break the word, the term DNA down to its numerical value, you got three letters. You got the letter D, which is the fourth number, number four. You got N, which is representation of the 14th number. And then you got A, which is the representation of one. All of that's going to make sense. Because when God created his man, they was in unity when he brought his blessed life in it. Number one represents unity. That's the beginning. We was in unity with God. And then number nine, which wake up to number 19, you got the number one and you got number nine. Number one represents the unity, the beginning, the breath of life, us having an image of God in the first creation. And then number nine is his divine completeness. It's also a representation of the fruit of the spirit. And then when you put that one and nine together to activate God inside of us is where we are in this New Testament realm. And that's the number 19. It represents faith. Everybody got that? This keep, keep, keep. The number 19 going to be important today, okay? <laughs> All right? So DNA. Uh, number 19, 19 represents faith. You break it down into the 1 and to the 9, you got unity and you got the divine completeness in, in, in y'all. So let, let's continue. Our next scripture you want to go in because once we understand that who Christ was and what he was, the representative, representative to get us back, to where the image of God was inside of us and not on the external, then you got to understand. Let's go to um, um, this script right here. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And when you have it, it, is, it reads as this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new what? Creature. He is a new creation. The old things are passed away, and behold, all things has become new. So when we are in Christ, we are redeemed once again back to the image of the Father, which he first established in the, in, in the garden. When God blew his breath back in us, the Ruach HaKodesh, the set-apart spirit, Christ is our represent, representative of the first Adam because he represents the fullness of God in man. All right? Let's go to another script to prove this. About Christ. Let's go to Romans chapter 10. We're going to start at verse 1. Even Paul talks about uh, Christ being our example. Christ being our example. And when you get there, it reads, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for Israel that they might be saved. Now, y'all got to understand, I'm not with this replacement theology that says the, 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 the kingdom or the people of Israel is being replaced 
and try to re- replace Israel with what's called the church. The church name, if you look at it and you do deep research, is, his, is Israel. The kingdom to come is Israel because it's got Israel name written on the gates to enter into the city. All right? So don't try to do replacement theology and act like God's done away with his people. Even Paul says in the book of Romans that God did not do away with his people. The problem is Israel is asleep and they don't know that they're Israel. But we're living in an hour where the Holy Spirit is going to stir up that valley of dry bones as prophesied in the book of Ezekiel. And that army of Israel is going to stand up in this land once again. But let me uh, continue in this. So here's Paul. And he said, brethren, my hearts and desire and prayer to the God for Israel that they might be saved. For I bear record of them that they have a zeal of God, but not according to the knowledge. What does that mean? That's just like us coming to church. We have a zeal for God. We want to walk right. We want to do right by the Most High. But what is our walk doing outside of this place? Your salvation is so important that you don't sit here and put your trust in your, in your salvation behind the one that's standing up here only. God said that once you converted, he was going to raise up teachers to teach you his word. That's what we are up here standing. We're teachers. But you got to do your own work. You got to study to show your own self approved if you're going to grow on this thing called the gospel. And at the end, every man's going to give account for his or her journey. And you need to walk that faith out with, with fear and trembling, as the word says. All right. So now. And then let's go to um, 10 and 3. But they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Check this. For Christ is the what? Anybody's keeping up with the reading? Number four. Christ is the what? End of the law. For righteousness to everyone that believed. Now I heard so many preachers talk about, well, the laws of God was nailed to the cross with Christ. <laughs> Let me check that theology real quick. Christ never came to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. When the Bible says that Christ is the end of the law, that means that he is the example of what the law with grace is supposed to get man to become. It never said he done away with anything. We're going to be judged by everything that's contained in this book on the day of judgment. So if the laws of God are done away with, then that means there is no sin. Not according to theology, but according to the word of God, sin is the transgression of the law. If there is no law, there is no sin. Only people that preach that rogue doctrine are the ones who can't line up right with the word because they're missing something special that allows us to keep the law. And that's the Holy Spirit. You ain't got no Holy Spirit, you ain't going to be able to keep that law. It's the Holy Spirit that makes you want to mourn, I mean, yearn to do the will of the Most High. And if you don't have that, flesh can't do it. That's why so many people stumble and they walk. Can't do it after the flesh. You got to do it after the Spirit. The only way you come into the Father unless the Spirit calls you. All right? So Christ represents the end of the law. He is the example of what the law was supposed to get man into becoming. Everybody on the same wavelength with that. Christ possessed the seven spirit of God. Okay? That Holy Spirit that's given unto you, that's your seal. That's your image of God returning back to you. All right? And, and, and understand something. There is a difference <laughs> between operating in the spirit of God 
and operating through your own understanding, your intellect. Intellect ain't you. A man that's operating through intellect ain't gonna see heaven. Man operating in the intellect, he gonna slip and fall all the time. You gotta have the ruach leading you. You gotta have the ruach guiding you. That's what makes us set apart. That's what makes us peculiar. That's what represents that image of God being inside of us. So we got a lot of believers in the house today, right? Hey, raise your hand if you're a believer. You know you're born again. You saved by grace. But what type of image are you demonstrating when you leave these walls? What kind of image you demonstrating in your house? What kind of image you demonstrating on your job? What kind of image you demonstrating to the people around you? Do they see God in you? Or are you a reflection of the Creator? Or are you a reflection of yourself and your own flesh and your own will? So once God established himself again through Christ, through, and then they released the precious Holy Ghost upon us, then we become what's known as the temple of God. Another theology um, misinterpretation. Everybody sitting around here waiting for this third temple to be built in Jerusalem and the Antichrist to stand up in front of it. That probably going to happen in the natural. Because anything spoken in spirit through prophecy, there must be a physical manifestation for it to happen on our realm. But let's dig internally. All right? Because that third temple that was being built was you. <laughs> Christ released what was inside of him so that what was inside of him can be a part of you. Understand that. Let's, go to, let's prove it with the scripture, though. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 3 and 16. 1 Corinthians 3 and 16. When you have it, say amen. <laughs> and it reads, Know ye not that you are the, what? Temple of God. And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in who? You. Born, born again saint. You the temple of God. Read this warning in verse 17. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is what? And which temples ye are. So you get caught up in all this fear mongering and all this rhetoric that's being passed throughout our society right now. All the fear mongering with this, with this disease and all this other stuff going on. You, you get caught up in that and then you start doing things because of your lack of understanding. Because you haven't been studying to show yourself approved to realize that we are so close in this thing and the prophecy of Revelation is jumping off the pages right now in the season that we're living in. So you keep going home, play your game, come to church, play church. Don't study God's word. Don't know what's actually going on. And then you go and you end up doing something that's going to corrupt your temple. Ain't no coming back from that. Understand that. I don't want to get ahead of my message, but we are the temple. Of God. Let us continue. <clears throat> and the reason why we're going to be duped and deceived into doing things that may mess up our temple of God. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. I want to bring this scripture out real quick. 2 Corinthians. Four and verse four. A lot of meat in this one scripture. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse four. And it reads, 
in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the what? Image of God should shine unto them. Let me break this down real quick. It said the God of this world. <laughs> you, you see, we as Christians, we've been duped through theology. we thinking everything hocus pocus. No, God's coming back to snatch this world back that he created from Hashatan out of his hands. That's what the end game is all about. You understand that? But right now, to that manifestation take place in the physical, there's a war going on in the earth. And the God of this world is who? Who's the God of this world? Satan. So we sit here and we watch television. We look at these celebrities and all these different ones. When they receive their reward and all that stuff, who are they always praising? Thank God. Thank God. But what God are they serving? Because God ain't going to allow you to compromise your faith. God is not going to allow you to compromise your soul. God is not going to put you in a position where you compromise ruining your temple just for a little bit of fame and glory. Don't forget, Satan got gifts and he got power in this world too. Did he not, after 40 days of fasting, did he not take Yahushua to a high mountains and he showed him all the glories of the kingdom of the world? And he said, I will get this under you if you bow down and worship me. He got gifts in this world too. And he know how to bless his kids. The children of darkness. <laughs> so he blinded the minds of them that don't, don't believe. All right. So how have Satan blinded our minds? Let me dig into this real quick. We're still talking about the attack or the war on the image of God, right? So when you look at image, image and imagery is everything. It captivates the mind. It controls our emotions, okay? Let me give you an example. Let's go to Hollywood. Use television for an example. Let's look at Hollywood. The term Hollywood, in the ancient days, the ancient Druids, they would take a holly tree, Carved that bark up, that tree, and they made magic wands to use on their spells. So how many of y'all like watching a good movie? Netflix and chilling and all this other stuff? I do. But you ever notice when you're watching those movies how you emotionally attached to a good movie? How as the climax and all the things goes up and comes down, so do your emotion goes up and comes down. They're casting an illusion to you. It's making you delusional. Same way in witchcraft when they use those Hollywood wands. Does it make sense? And see, our imaginations come from our frontal lobe. Our imaginations come from our pineal gland. So what happens here is Satan wants to be worshipped in the earth. His whole goal and desire is he want to be worshipped in the earth. His job is he want to convert and pervert the image of God in the earth. And the greatest way to do that is to get God's greatest creation, which is man. To turn his back, bow down, and pay homage unto him in front of God. That's like a slap to the face. You gave him this creation. And the reason why he got ejected out of heaven to begin with, because he didn't want to bow down to the clay man. And then pride was caught up in him. And that led to him being cast down. Alright? So Satan uses imagery to deceive the world. How did he use it? One of the greatest inventions that's been used. See, Satan in the beginning in the garden, he was a what? Whispering enchanter. He planted ideals and thoughts in your mind that led you to sinning, right? All y'all agree? But guess what's been invented in our time? Television. Now he can take those same sinful thoughts, put it in a movie, 
And now he's advertising the sin in front of you. Didn't it say that the beast was going to have a mouth to speak? That word speak means broadcast. You know what I mean? That speak means broadcast. So Satan got, he tells lies through television. He tells lies through media. Every time you turn on the news, you're always hearing all type of stories. I get sick and tired of looking at the news in the morning. Because how in the world can you talk about 10 minutes of death, news story after news story after news stories, and those commentators still or um, broadcasters still got a smile on their face while they're doing it? That, that lets me know something wrong with their spirit. <laughs> so through broadcast, through communication, another tool for the enemy. Everybody got it. We carried around with us. Some of y'all got it right here now on your side. Some of y'all probably looking at it while we're in the service. And that's your, t- that's your telephone. Right? Another thing. You got to understand, in the Genesis, man was able to communicate with each other. We all spoke the one language, which was the heaven language, which is the Hebrew tongue. All right? But because at the Tower of Babel, they was trying to build this thing to go up and f- fight against God and the angels through Nimrod, the one world ruler. Because we're coming back to that one world government. It's called the New World Order. All right? But at that particular time, man was on one page. And when God came down and observed what was going on earth, he said, we're going to have to do something with these people or everything that they purpose in their heart, they shall accomplish. So God confounded the language of the world into 70 different tongues. All right? Man wasn't able to communicate with each other. But something happened through technology that united the world back over again. And that's the Internet. Now we're able to communicate each other with each other on a global scale. Same way as it was in the Tower of Babel, but now we're doing it digitally. Everybody understand that? So, broadcast, communication, internet. He's trying, that's the way he's been using to try to blind the minds of God's people. That's the flood that came out of the dragon's mouth, if you understand about the woman and the dragon in Revelation 12. So, our topic is we're still dealing with the attack or the war on the image of God. So I told y'all what DNA represented from a numerical value. 19 representing faith, 1 is unity, um, 9 representing the fruits of the spirit or the completeness of God and man. So now, I was studying DNA. I came up with something even deeper. Check this revelation that came out. So now, all throughout our society, even even today, we're seeing a constant attack on our DNA. Remember, God's DNA is God's blueprint for mankind. So how are we receiving current attacks on our DNA? We're receiving those attacks through the food, through the medicines, through the drugs. See, the drug, drugs is another word for that is sorcery. That's, and if you read Revelation 18, that was going to be one of the key in factors of uh, Babylon, mystery Babylon in the last days. It was going to dupe the whole world through its pharmakia. Pharmakia means witchcraft. All right, so what do DNA represent? Catch this. The word deoxy is a Latin term for the word God. The term ribo, it can be broken down to mean master or rabbi. The word nucleus, nucleic, it comes from the word center or mean center. Then the acid, the acid is the representation of the fire that's on the inside of it. All right, so when you look at DNA, not only from a numerical standpoint, but if you break it down, your DNA represents that God is the master fire at the center of your being. 
That's what DNA means. And that's why these Satanists and these Luciferians, their constant attack is on destroying the DNA of man. Why? Why is that important? Because DNA represents the God molecule found in the body. All right? So what happens is this. So God represents DNA. He sends a command to the body. Same way in the church. God is the command center. He will send a message to the body of Christ through messengers, your prophets and your teachers. That's representative of messenger DNA. So God is the, is, is the command center. So anytime your DNA, something needs to be repaired in your body, messenger RNA will be sent out and it will produce the proteins that it takes for you to restore or reheal or heal your body. Same way in the spirit realm with God. So your DNA carries the DNA code. Your DNA carries the code. That code is the word of God. The messengers are the angels or the prophets or the teachers. So what Satan is trying to do in this, 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 this last dispensation, leading into the revealing of his Antichrist, the son of perdition, is that he's trying to inject an alien word into the body of Christ called false doctrine. And also in the body, in the temple of God, he's trying to inject a false message called message and RNA in our bodies. So I'm hitting this on the spiritual level as well as the physical. And if you got anything you want to question, any of this stuff that's being said, go research it. Because I love when people want to back up stuff. I'm going to hit you with spiritual word, but I'm going to hit you with a little scholarship stuff. Because while you're searching to disprove me, you're going to come into more enlightenment. So please go behind and check on this. <laughs> All right? Because Matthew 24, and you don't have to go there, I'm just going to read it. Matthew 24, verses 11 through 13 reads... Many prophets will arise and mislead many because lawlessness is increased. Most people will, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, the same will be saved. So when we hear that word false prophets, the first thing we thinking, well, we got pastors in the pulpit preaching a false word. No, that false prophecy goes beyond just a pulpit at a church. You got false prophets in the media preaching a whole bunch of lies. You got false prophets in government preaching mind control doctrine. You got a lot of false prophets in the education system that's teaching things that goes against the knowledge and the mind of God. Evolutions and all this other stuff. You got false prophets in the banking system. You got false prophets in the music industry. You got false prophets every week boasting in these movies that's come out. Everybody still with me? Let's go to this other script real quick. Still dealing with the attack or the war on the image of God. Let's go to Revelations chapter 13. And we're going to look at closely verses 15 through 17. So we talked to this point. We dialogue and acknowledge that God has an image. And his image was started with man, and through Christ, he was able to reconcile man back to that same image that they were in, in the garden through his blessed Holy Spirit, right? So now let's deal with this other image that's in the earth. Let's deal with this image of the beast. And you look at this term beast, get out of your minds about this superficial narrative about some dragon. 
You ought to understand. Even Satan, being in spirit form, in order for him to even operate on this level, he has to operate through what? Physical. He got to use people. You understand that? So when you start looking at this beast, you start looking at beast from a ruling standpoint, because beast can represent government, but beast also represents man or mankind. Anybody void of the Holy Spirit, he moves and he operates in this earth as a what? Brute beast. Very violent. So we're talking about people. So let's break it down. So Revelation chapter 13, verses 15 through 17, and it reads, It was given to him to give breath to the image of the what? Anybody keeping up with me? Image of the beast. So that the image of the beast, we ain't talking about the image of God no more. We're talking about the image of a beast. <laughs> that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many that do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Verse 16. And he causes all, the small and the great, the rich and the poor, the free men and slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand. That means servitude. That means that you are complicit, that you accept their undertaking. Mm-hmm. You're in agreement. Marking their right hand or in their forehead. And he provides the one, that one. And he provides that no one, excuse me, will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, I want to open your eyes up to what's going on in our society. All across this world, it ain't hit the United States, but it's coming to a, uh, a, a, a porch near us. It's going to hit our front door. But in other countries all across this world, um, you got people putting all these tenuous, uh, strenuous mandates on people. You know what I'm saying? And even some countries, they already adopted this beast system to where you can't even buy or sell unless you already got a mark. All right? And I ain't even going to talk about it, but you already know what's marked being passed around in our society right now. The same ones, the same mind control system that two years ago didn't care less about blowing a black man's head off in the street and then deem the ones that did it as being innocent is the same one that's showing concern for people now. The same one that robbed and pillaged you for many years and made slaves out of you. They put you in all this debt. They got you taking out these things as mortgages. These death pledges, because that's what mortgage means. You know what I'm saying? These people, all of a sudden, they're concerned for their citizens. We got to wake up and think. Y'all understand that? But now, it's getting to the point now that you can't buy a sale unless you take what this beast, this man, this, this, this heathen infidel that has no love for our creator, not walking upright before God, then they confess. Some of them even openly came out of the closet. Telling you that they're, they're Satanists, that they're Luciferians. But you want to sit there and listen to these people? And now they're talking about you can't buy or sell unless you have their junk inside of you? The devil is a lie. Let me continue before I get too caught up in my emotion when it comes to talking to this. <laughs> so Satan and his scientists have found a way to corrupt the temple of God. It's through technology. And it's going to lead to what's called transhumanism. All right? Transhumanism is a belief that in order for man to evolve, he has to merge himself 
with a technology. That's what we're going towards. Everybody understand that? That's what they're conditioning us to. But it's not like this ain't never happened. To those who know the word of God, all you got to do is go back to Genesis 6. We're living this thing again. Ain't nothing new under the sun. The same thing that was going on in the earth that brought forth the flood to destroy that dispensation of man is going to be the same thing that's going to bring in the end. Back in Genesis 6, it talks about an entities coming down to the earth and mingling itself with the, with the um, things that was going on in the earth and with man. You had watchers or angels that was coming down defiling them bodies and they left their first estate. And they mingled themselves with the daughters of, of women and they created a hybrid race of beings in this earth called the Nephilim or called the giants, the men of renown. You can go to Genesis 6 and reread that on your own. Christ said that the end shall be the same as the days of Noah. So if you want to understand what the end game going to be about, you've got to study what took place in the, in, in, during the time of Noah. That means you've got to do some deep, some, some deep digging, research. One of the best books that talks about this is the book of Enoch. It talks about how those angels came down and defiled mankind. It taught mankind histories and technology and un- um, knowledge that God did not design for this creation to even know about. Y'all understand that? It talked about how the offsprings of them were so big that they began to devour mankind. Cannibalism. And the bloodshed was so great that God said he had to put an end to it. He, he chose Noah. He said Noah was a righteous man. But beyond just choosing Noah because he was righteous, Noah's DNA was pure. He had a pure seed of the woman. You understand that? So in order for God to preserve that woman's seed, that woman's bloodline all the way down to Christ, he had to preserve Noah so that that bloodline can continue on this side of the flood. So what we're thinking about all those wars with the Ites and the different ones, the Canaanites, the ones that was occupying the promised land when the children of Israel was with Moses, um, crossing over the Red Sea and walking through the wilderness, it all has to do with DNA. Satan's whole job is to corrupt God's creation from the beginning. That's what all these battles was about. These angels taught mankind how to splice the genetics. When you read Greek mythology, some of those creatures, the Manitoba, the different beasts, that wasn't fictitious. That was real. The angels taught them how to split, splice the genetic code of the animals. And they began to mix themselves with different beasts. Same thing happening in the earth today. Yeah, cloning is real. Don't think everything they show you in Hollywood is fake. Portion of Hollywood is controlled. And it's controlled by, I ain't going to say all of that. I'm going to keep that to myself. But I know what it's controlled by. I know who's pushing the knowledge that these, these producers get. These people ain't just all of a sudden wake up and they got that, some of those things on their mind to make a movie about. Somebody's giving them intel. And they've been doing it since the 60s. Probably earlier than that. Research Operation Paperclip. And find out what happened after the war, World War II. <laughs> Let me keep going. So transhumanism is a philosophy built around the emergence of human with the technology. It's already been prophesied in the Bible that the last kingdom that was going to stand and rule in the earth was going to consist of 
Iron mixed with what? Clay. Didn't I tell y'all in the beginning clay was gonna make a, make it gonna mean something in this message? When God bled his breath into we created out of the dust of the ground, representation of clay. Clay mixed with iron. Iron is uh, clay is flesh. Flesh mixed with iron. Flesh mixed with technology. You can read about that in the book of Daniel, chapter two. If Satan can deceive, check this out. If Satan can deceive man to put something in that body that will change their DNA by only one percent, then you're no longer made in the image and the likeness of God, but you have became. Made in the image and the likeness of beast. Or in the image and the likeness of man. No longer in the image and likeness of God. That's the trick. So just like God, Satan is trying to build a kingdom unto himself. So let's go down here. Yeah. So let's go down here to Revelations. Let's go to Revelation 14 and 9. Revelations 14. We're going to start at verse 9. Just to confirm, got a Bible bear witness to itself. Then another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or in his hand, he also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest day and night, those who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives his marks of his name. Here is the perseverance of the who? Saints. How many saints we got in here? Now, according to God's word, I ain't calling what you say and what church say. What is a saint? Those who could keep the commandments of God and have faith in Jesus Christ. So, in order to be deemed that worthy of being a saint, you got to be keeping the commandments of God. So, how the law of God done away with? <laughs> Woo! So again, <laughs> let me hit y'all with this. Remember we talked about how God blow his breath in the man through his DNA. And DNA is representation of the number 19. What's the name of this first virus that was being pushed out in 2020? 20, we'll just, just call it 19, right? 19. All right. Now, God has a order for his DNA. Watch the counterfeit. When you break down the number 19... Again, the number one is equivalent to what letter in the alphabet? A. The number nine is equivalent to what number in the alphabet? I. God has this thing that was called DNA. This iron Mitchell clay that's going we're gonna be seeing more and more of in this end is AI. That's the that iron Mitchell clay. You don't have to believe it. Walk in your own understanding. But if you're in the part of this house, you ain't going to ever say God ain't seen you no warning. You ain't going to ever say that. 
The watchers in this house is watching. And they sounding the alarm. And those who can hear that got ears to hear going to hear. And those that's playing church, it is what it is. Only a remnant. Another thing I put up in here. They, they, they changing not only that inner attack he want to do, they're they doing another attack out here. And y'all ever heard of chemtrails? Chemtrails? Y'all see them planes flying in the sky and they spraying that gas at the back of it? Check this out. What's two of the main minerals that they're spraying out of there? Barium and aluminum. On the periodic table, barium's code is what? BA. Aluminum's code on the periodic table is what? AL. When you put BA with AL, you get who? Baal. Do y'all know who Baal is? <laughs> man, I, hey, you can't make this stuff up, man. You cannot make this stuff up. We are in this hour, folks. Wake up. We are in this hour. So let me, let me, let me, let me let's go to, um, let's continue with Revelations 14, 9. Let's go to verse 10. I'm still on, on time. Revelations 14, 9. Let's go to, and, uh, let's go to verse 10. No, 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 no. Let's, let's skip there. I covered all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let me, to go along with what I just read in 14, 9. Any man that worship the beast, Worships his image or receive his marks. What that means is, it means bowing to the beast system. And that's what's a, that's coming upon us. They're trying to change everything, y'all. We're going to go to a new financial system here shortly. All right? They're going to change and convert the internet over. They're going to use what's called quantum um, computing systems. You heard it here. So the bowing to the beast means bowing to the image, which means what's going to lead to spiritual death. That spiritual death means that a person is submitting to the will of his rulers of this world instead of to the will of um, the Most High Yahuwah. Satan is more interested in getting people to lose God's image inside of them and their connection and promise to an eternal life with the Creator and fall into perdition with him and end up in the lake of fire with him. So church, I want you to watch your walk in this hour. Let's go to Romans Got a couple more scripts and I'm going to be finishing up. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Once again, if you, if you came to church to hear a little quick 25-minute little Mickey Mouse sermon, a uh, social gospel that's going to let you leave here feeling good about yourself and your sin, you came to the wrong place this morning. But if you came to be pushed and challenged in the word, hopefully something that's going to be spoken that's going to make you leave this house and actually go pick that book up off the table and study a little bit more, then you're in the right place. This is our warning for us, the believer, the church, Israel. Romans chapter 8, we're going to start at verse 5. We got to watch ourselves walking out to the flesh in this hour. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is what? Death. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God. You ain't trying to keep his laws, statutes, and commandments. You're not trying to be around his people. You're hostile. You're an enemy. 
For it does not subject itself to the law of God. Same ones walking out to the flesh, the same ones that try to push that down your throat that the laws of God are done away with. Because they don't want to give account of them being out of order. For it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, church, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he's not belong to him. Skip down to thir- um, verse 13. For if you are living according to the flesh, what must happen to you? You must die. That's cut and dry. But if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body and you will live. Now, when it's talking about death, it's not talking about a physical death. You understand? There's a spiritual death that we go through that disconnects us from God. For all who are being led by the spirit of God are the what? Sons of God. Do we still have some sons of God in the house? Still giving a warning to the church. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm going to start at verse 3. And I'm going to wrap this up. Can y'all bear with me about 10 more minutes? Okay, good. It said, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there be, there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, the one who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he sitteth in the what? Temple of God. Who's the temple of God? We are. Showing himself that he is God. So you sit here and you allow Satan to do something to convert and change your DNA. You sit here and do something to cause Satan to enter into your temple. And set himself up inside of you as being God sitting in the temple of God. That's what it's all about. Look at it from a spiritual standpoint, folk. That's why 2 Timothy 2 and 5 says that we got to study to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman that's needed not to be ashamed, but rightfully dividing the word of truth. We are in perilous times. And if you don't have your spiritual antennas up and you um operating in the spirit of discernment, you're gonna be duped in this last this last um dispensation. Everything is built around deception. Everything that looks real, it's not. Every people that talk and boast like they real are not. Even Satan was gonna present himself as an angel of light. That's the times we're living in. Y'all please hear this warning. But I want to give comfort to those that's gonna receive this word of truth. And try to follow in what God says about this. Let's go to Revelations 20 and 4. And I'm closing. As we get closer and more into uh, Jacob's trouble. Um, Dr. Manley spoke here a couple of weeks ago. He tried to give y'all a timetable about what theology says and what the truth is. About the uh, eschatology of the end, of the end times. Seven-year period. First three and a half years is going to be tribulation. Even believers are going to go through that tribulation. And then there's going to be an escape. 
And we're going to escape this planet before the last three and a half years. The last three and a half years and the stuff you're reading here in Revelations, that's those that's going to be a partakers in God's wrath. You better hope you're worthy and your walk with God and your relationship with God is worthy enough that you can be a part of the escape. There ain't no such thing as no rapture. Get that garbage out of here. That was garbage that came from a Roman Catholic church off a dream of a woman. And they pushed it. But God did promise an escape for his people. You don't want to be here when this wrath comes. But as you go through this tribulation, keep in mind that you're being tried by fire. you got to prove yourself. You look at all these people and all these preachers sitting around in their million-dollar mansions and all this other stuff. It cost Christ his life. It cost the disciples who became the apostles. It cost them their life to preach this gospel. So how in the world that the word that became flesh, it cost him everything. It cost those that walked with him everything. But then now in our society, you got these bootleggers sitting up here claiming to be on that page, and they're getting a free pass in this world. Did they take from Satan what they could have got from the Lord? You think about it. Ain't no servant greater than his master. That's why I don't follow man. I don't get caught up in your religion, your theology. I don't care what you got. You got to stick to the script. Revelation 20 and 4. Take comfort in his last word. And I saw thrones. And they sat upon them. And judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. That's our blessed hope. If you're born, believe everything that we're seeing in this world. It's going to come to an end. This earth has an expiration date. There's life beyond here when this earth receives its expiration date. So where are you going to spend an eternity should be on your mind right now. The things that they're rolling out that they're trying to push and put on the world and put us through, understand, it's only for your test. You've got to prove. The disciples had to prove themselves. It cost them their life. Christ had to lay his life down just so we can get that image of God back inside of us. You thinking because you can't, you missed a bill this month, you call that persecution. Because you can't make your car note on time, you call that persecution. This ain't nothing like we're about to step into as we press forward in this. Keep living, you're going to see some things in this earth that's going to come on this world that you ain't even going to have a mind to believe and understand. Everything down to this, this whatever's going on with this virus that's going around that has a spirit. I just heard it this morning. That virus got a spirit attached to it, and it's called fear. More and more you breathe into the fear, the greater that, that demon becomes. They're going to roll out a whole bunch of stuff. Don't be shocked. They start talking about what's out here in the heavens. We got other world life and all this other stuff. UFOs. It's going to be a lot of stuff that we're going to get hit with. But you got to make sure that your foundation is solid, that you're standing on a solid ground, that your walk is real, is genuine, and you actually got the Ruach Hokadesh, which is your seal.
to the end, which is the Holy Spirit. I hope that you was um, blessed by this word this morning. Again, the topic of my message today was the war on the image of God. As you leave this house this morning, make sure you're mindful of what image you're portraying out here in society and in this world. Everybody got? Let's give the Lord a round of applause for his work.